I would like to begin uh, with a story. And uh, following on from what you've just done, this is a confessional story. I should really send it into the radio and see whether they would forgive me on the BBC. Um, and it's true. So, uh, when I was about, I think I must have been about 16 years old, on my way back from Scouts one evening, uh, I was riding um, my racer, uh, as I did, that's how I got around town, uh, young, fit man, and you know, everything's great, very fast. However, I thought that it would be an excellent and opportune time to see if you could do the same stunts on a racer uh, as you can on a BMX. And I also had a BMX at home. You know, so uh, said stunts include uh, bunny hops. That worked quite well. Uh, endos, uh, if anyone's ever tried one of those, where you, where you jam on the front brakes and then you kind of go, you go up in the air, but not too far, otherwise you kind of go straight over the top. They also worked quite well. And I thought, well, the pièce de résistance, what if the bike is lying on the ground and then you stand on one of the pedals and hold on to the handlebar and pull the bike up and get on top of it and then ride off? thought, great trick. So I tried that. Uh, It didn't work. (laughs) You see, the problem, the problem was that my BMX had uh, small wheels that were made of steel, uh, and the uh, rather nice racing bike um, had aluminium wheels uh, that were quite expensive and very big. And so what happened was, due to the nature of how physics works, uh, the wheels simply folded in half. Um, so at this point, I thought, I have a cunning plan. I thought, I know what I will do. I will uh, find a pothole. And then I will go back to my parents, and I will tell my parents that I rode over the pothole and look what it did to my bike. (gasps) Anyway, I found a pothole. It was a particularly good one in the middle of Exeter. And I told my parents and they wrote to the council on my behalf. (laughs) Excellent news. I thought I am getting away with this cunning plan to get new shiny alloy wheels with quick release for my bike. Uh... However, the council informed my parents that they did not own the land that the pothole was found in. And they had forwarded to the, my, their letter to the appropriate authority. The appropriate authority was Exeter Cathedral. At this point, I thought, pants. That wasn't quite the fullness of the expression of what I thought, but it'll do given that we're in church. Um, Pants. Anyway, my luck was in, because uh, several weeks later, uh, a letter arrived addressed to my parents, uh, lovingly including a cheque 
for the full amount of a replacement alloy wheel. Awesome. How good am I? I highly recommend, uh, if you choose to fold your alloy wheel in half by doing crazy stunts that work better on a BMX, that you go and find the said potholes, which are probably still in Exeter Cathedral's uh, cloisters. Thinking that I was on to a winner... Uh, cycling home from school a few months later uh, with my toe clips in because it was important to get back from, you know, Seb's nodding uh, to get back from school as fast as you possibly can um, uh, I came up just past the RD&E and Heavy Tree and Extra if you, anyone knows that and I stopped at the lights and unfortunately there was a drain that had been put in the wrong way round. And my front wheel went into the drain at the lights, and I'm like, how long can I stay balanced, toe clips in, quite tight? Uh, and I, I thought, not very long. And drunk. Second alloy wheel folded. I thought, I know what to do. This time, however, though, I was right. So my parents wrote Julie to the council uh, and said, uh, my son has uh, had his alloy wheel folded in half by an incorrectly placed drain. It should have, the slat should have been going the other way. Otherwise, you're going to take out all sorts of cyclists. And they wrote a very nice letter back. And the letter said, uh, thank you for your letter. No. We're not going to give you any money. Oh, that's not very fair, is it? Even though I had already got some money that wasn't fair, but anyway. So let me read to you from the Bible. Uh, You can find this on page um, 1023. It is John chapter 16. I encourage you to follow it because I haven't got anything on the slides uh, today. Um, So follow it in the Bibles, please. Always good to go and find it in the Bible yourself. And then... um, If I'm not talking any sense, um, hopefully you can make it make some sense. Um, John chapter 16, starting at verse 8, page 1023, says this, When he comes, that's the Holy Spirit, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin, about righteousness and judgment. In, um, In the 1984 NIV... It starts slightly different. It says, when he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. Carrying on in the slightly more updated NIV, not much. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father, where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. When he comes, he will prove the world to be wrong, or he will convict them about sin, about righteousness and judgment. It's funny, because this little bike wheel thing just stuck around in my head for a long, long time. And I got to my early 20s and I thought... Do you know what? I, I cannot, I know that I've been forgiven. I know that it's done. But do you know what I have to do? I have to write a check and I have to go and put it in the cathedral coffers. 
to go and cover this because it just keeps on ringing around. And I did that and it was done and I felt convicted that that is what I needed to do. However, strange things happen when you go through the ordination process, don't they, Nigel? And these things come up again. And do you know what? I continued for years and years to feel quite frankly awful about what I'd done. What I later learned was that was not the conviction of the Holy Spirit. That was the condemnation of the enemy speaking lies over me. Because I'm forgiven. It's done. In fact, I'd even been nudged to kind of go and top up the cathedral coffers a little bit and try and cover it. I mean, I should have written them a nice letter saying, I'm really sorry I ripped you off, but now I'm getting ordained, so everything's going to be fine. (coughs) Anyway, they can listen to the audio recording. But what came later was this condemnation of not being able to get the thought of this bike wheel out of my head. I wonder if you've ever had anything like that. You know, that little nagging thing that just keeps going round. And sometimes, you know, even right on through to our adult life, we can have those things. In fact, sometimes as you get into your kind of late 50s, early 60s, sometimes those things get worse because you start to feel even worse about the things that happened 20 years, 30 years ago. So I just want to unpack them, and I want to unpack it in three ways. And it's the way uh, that it's unpacked in this passage, the way that Jesus talks about what the Holy Spirit will do. Um, by the way, there is this nice little neat uh, Christian phrase um, that uh, uh, that we uh, the Holy Spirit convicts uh, rather than condemns. And so, if it's condemnation, it's not from the Holy Spirit. Um, however, I, I, I think that's a little bit too simplistic, especially when you start to look in this passage, because the reality is this. If you don't choose Jesus, then you are under condemnation. The sentence is still hanging over you. So you do have a choice as to whether you receive the conviction of the Holy Spirit or whether you remain under the condemnation. And I think in that case, the condemnation is from God. But I'll leave you to wrestle with that one. Let's just look at these three things. The first thing uh, that the Holy Spirit does is he convicts the world in regard to sin. And in John chapter 16, verse 9, it says, because people do not believe in me. You see, the deal is this. What, what we want to do is we want to write off sin. We want to play it down, turn it all into a little white lie and kind of go, oh, do you know what? It's all going to be fine because I got away with it. That's what I did with my bike wheel. It was like, brilliant. It can't really be wrong because I got away with it. They paid the money. Fantastic. It's what we do when we go down that kind of path. We play it off and we say, what we've done is not really wrong. 
It's not really sinful. It doesn't go against God or against people. Do you know what? I can do what I like with who I like and it's okay. That's the predominant theme that we bump into in the world at the moment. It's, do you know what? Everything's okay. Everything's alright. We're all in for this. And what Jesus says is, do you know what? If you want to understand this, Stop looking at the sin and start looking at me. Believe in me. That's one of the reasons why I think it's so key that the Alpha Course does not start with a proof of God. It's really frustrating for some people that it doesn't start there because they'd like to have all the ducks in a row and they'd like it to start with God and then deal with kind of the big bang and and then, you know, all that other stuff. But it doesn't start there. It starts with Jesus. And the deal for each and every one of us in this room tonight is who do you think Jesus is? And if you if you haven't wrestled with that, However young or old you are, don't worry about wrestling with should I be on social media, what about this and what about this. Decide who Jesus is. How are you going to decide? Go back to the book and look at what he says about himself. Go and decide who he is. Because do you know what? If you go and read the Gospels, you haven't got much options. In fact, you haven't got any. He's either God... And he's done what he says to come and do, which is to deal with the sin of the whole of humanity. Or he's bad, or he's mad, as C.S. Lewis puts it. So if you haven't made a decision, make a decision. Because do you know what? Once you've made that decision, it'll be really clear about how sin stands. But if you try and do it in the other order, what you'll do is you'll squeeze in lots of other stuff that's kind of like, oh no, we'd quite like to get away with that, thanks. The Holy Spirit comes and convicts the world in regard to sin. Because Jesus is who he says he is. In regard to righteousness, do you know, I, I, I love righteousness. Do you know how amazing righteousness is? Right, righteousness is like, um, it's like the best ever holiday and you come back completely burnt from top to toe and everybody knows that you've been on holiday. People come back and look at you and kind of go, what happened to you? Did you fall asleep in the sun? And you go, yes, I've been on holiday. It was fantastic. I can't move because of all the E45 cream. What am I talking about? You see, what we want to do is we want to prove ourselves. The world is set up so that I have to prove myself to everyone else in the world. And, and, and you know, social, all social media does is, is make that worse. I, I, are my kids here? One of them's here. Okay, it wasn't you anyway, it was one of the others. That leaves three options. I, 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 I looked at one of my kids' phones the other day. It had been, it had been unattended, and it's, they're passworded, you know, so I, we only look at them if they, permission, or they're naughty. Um, I, I looked at, I looked at his phone. Oh, that's narrowed it down, it's taken out. <laughs> Half an hour, 
there had been 95 notifications. <coughs> See, it wasn't you. You are the righteous one. Uh, 95! We had a little chat about it in the morning. It was like, what are you doing? He said, oh yeah, I know. Switched them off. Fine. I hope he hasn't been. Righteousness. You get bombarded with this stuff. Kind of, I've got to prove myself. I've got to put it all out there that I am amazing. It doesn't work like that with God. How it works is this. Jesus Christ comes in person, dies on a cross, deals with the sin of the whole of humanity, and then he is now in heaven at the right hand of God the Father. So that as you come into God the Father's presence, as a human being, frail as we are, I don't have a right to be there. I don't have a right to be there. Nothing in my own being could do anything that gets me into God the Father's presence. But I know that I am welcome and I want you to know that you are welcome too. Why? Because you've got the most amazing suntan in the whole of the universe. What I mean is this. Jesus has got a right to be there. He is royalty. He is the king. He has got the right outfit to be there. And when we choose to acknowledge that he is Lord, that he is king, what he does is he says, great, my dear child, my son, my daughter, here are my royal robes. You put them on. I clothe you in my right to stand before the Father. I clothe you in my right to stand before the Father. So when we come and stand before the Father, it doesn't matter what last week was like. It doesn't matter how mashed your head is. It doesn't matter even if you stumbled five minutes ago. What matters is are you choosing to allow Jesus to dress you in his royal robes to make you pure and holy and spotless and clean so that you can enter the presence of the Father. It's not your doing. It's his doing. That's righteousness. I love righteousness. It's just like coming back from holiday, only way better. What about judgment? Last thing, and then we're going to pray. You know, the uh, judgment is, is, is the, is the evil one saying, you know, I have got a right over you. And he's the one that's now being condemned and is, And he's the one under judgment. The tables have been completely turned. He has been disarmed. And so when that voice of condemnation and judgment comes, you can literally tell him where to go. Back to where he belongs. And I encourage you to do that. We're gonna, we're gonna pray. And I love to, we're going to share communion and pray and worship and and just respond, and and I'd and I'd love us.
You know, this is, this, this is the moment for those, for those nagging little thoughts. For those things that are unresolved in you. And you can be 10 years old or 75 years old and have that stuff. This is a time to come and lay them down. You know, God takes us on two journeys. One is new creation and the other is transformation. This is a new creation moment. This is a, I'm going to lay this down. Because I choose to believe in you, Jesus. I'm going to allow you to clothe me in righteousness. I will not listen to that voice of judgment anymore. This is a new creation moment. It's not to say that you won't need transformation. You know, there's lots of work to do. And sometimes that's with talking to people. Sometimes that's with, frankly, therapy. We all need, we all need a good bit of therapy sometimes. But this is a new creation moment. What I'm going to do is I'm going to invite you all to stand with, with whatever it is that God has laid on your heart for this evening. And we're just going to pray and then I'm going to break bread. And then there'll be opportunity to, to receive either more prayer or, uh, and to receive communion. I encourage you all to come and receive communion if you want prayer as well. But let's stand. This is a moment just for for all of us to make that choice. So we're going to continue to live with that stuff. Those niggles, those doubts, those things we feel guilty about. I'm going to pray and if you if you want to echo this prayer in in your heart and I encourage you to do that. Lord Jesus, I'm tired of doing things in my own strength trying to be good in my own strength trying to make it on my own, trying to fix myself. Lord, I'm tired. Of pretending that evil is good. I want to live differently. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you died on the cross for all the things I've done wrong. I believe that you're God. Come and clothe me in righteousness, in royal robes that I don't deserve. But they're a free gift from you. And those places where I've been under judgment, under condemnation, 
I send those words back to the pit of hell and say no more. In Jesus' name. So as we stand together and as we begin to worship, Lord, we remember what you've done for us in bread and wine, your body broken on the cross, your blood poured out for each and every one of us to pay for our sin and to bring us life. And as we receive... Lord, come and rest upon us with your Holy Spirit. That we might live lives that bring glory to you. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So folks, let's remain uh, standing. Let's use the whole of the space to respond uh, Nigel's going to be over here and we'll worship at the same time Nigel's going to be over here uh, and we'd love to serve you with uh, communion and there's going to be prayer over here please come up in, in whatever order is helpful for you to respond but please please respond to whatever God is, is doing with you this evening for the glory of his name Amen let's, let's worship at the same time